We begin the Gemara today on the top of the Samachdalet Amir Aleph. We're starting from five, about five lines from the top of the Yamad. Speaking about over here, a woman that's a Meredes. She's rebelling against her husband. So the Gemara went through a few opinions, what you do in such a case. And Gemara here concludes this Indian. We were Mamish and Middleite. I didn't finish off yesterday the last few lines of what the Gemara is saying over here. So the Gemara concludes and says, Umashinullah Tereser Yacheshate. We wait with her and we, we deal with her for 12 months. Rashi says maybe she'll, she'll have charata, maybe she'll, uh, change, she'll her change her mind, she won't uh, rebel against her husband. Uh, so we wait, for these 12 months, if she's rebelling against her husband, so the mezayinist that her husband is obligated to feed her, she doesn't get. Okay, so that's the conclusion from the Gemara before. Now the Gemara says, the next piece of Gemara is going to discuss this idea of Meredes as well, a, a woman that's rebelling against her husband. And here the Gemara brings up a concept which is called an Igeres Mered, which means that they would write a star for the husband that he could have against his wife, that, that, that she was mated against him, and therefore they deduct from Riksuba according to one opinion. So he has this star that you shouldn't be able to come and argue afterwards. It never happened. I never rebelled against my husband. So this is something which is documented. So the Gemara says, Omer Avtuvi Bar Kisne, Omer Shmuel. So he said in the name of Shmuel, Kaisvin Igeres Mered al Arusa. You write this star that she rebelled for an Arusa. And that refers to an Arusa that they set a time to get married and she's rebelling. She doesn't want to come to get married. Ven Kaisvin Igeres Mered al Shemeres Yovam. But you don't write this, this star, this Igeres Mered for a Shemeres Yovam that's waiting for the Yibum and uh, is, is, not, is not agreeing to come to, to actually do the mitzvah of Yibum. So the Gemara asks from the Braisa, we had this Braisa before, it says, This halacha of a woman that rebels against the husband, it's the same halacha applies if she's an Arusa, if she's an Asua, if she's fully married, if she's an Anida, if she's sick, if she's and even by Shemeres Yavam, the halach of Meredes also applies if she doesn't want to get married to her husband. So we see over here that it is for Shemeres Yavam. And Shmuel said that by Shemeres Yavam we do not apply this halach of Meredes. So the Gemara is going to go through a bunch of different options trying to answer this contradiction until it will come the final answer. So I don't remember exactly if it's four or five or six uh, uh, options the Gemara tries. So the first answer the Gemara tries to give is as follows. This is not a contradiction. The case that the Braisa is speaking about is that he, the husband, is demanding for her to get married. He wants to do the mitzvah of Yivmer, and she refuses. So in such a case, she's a Miradis, she's rebelling. Shmuel is speaking about that she's the one that's demanding the Yivum, and he's the one that's refusing, he's rebelling. So regarding this, when she's demanding, that's when Shmuel said that for Shemeres Yavam, we don't write for him, against him that is, we don't give her a star that he rebelled against her. So it depends who it is. And the Gemara will soon explain, that Rashi brings it here right away, that what's the difference between him and her? Because he has a mitzvah of Piri Viribia. The mitzvah we had before in the Gemara, we had it in Yivamis, the mitzvah of Piri Viribia is on the man, not on the woman. So therefore, if she's rebelling against him, she's not allowing him to fulfill his mitzvah. But for her, she doesn't have the mitzvah. So if he refuses to get married to her, he's not stopping her from doing a mitzvah. So that's why for, for, for her, we're, uh, we're more machmer than when she rebels. So Gemara says, the Omer of Tachlife bar Avimi Oma Shmuel, also in the name of Shmuel, if he's the one that demands her to get married and she refuses, so we, can, we attend to this matter and we write this star 
to uh, that uh, that um, she's going to get adopted from the ksuba. Tova he if she's the one that uh, demands to get married, and he doesn't want ain't law. We're not going to we're not going to take away from the we're not going to write this igeres mera this this uh, star to, to to add to the ksuba as we said before. If she is the one that rebels, you add more to the ksuba. So the Gemara asks on this answer. So how, what, what are you answering over here? What did you say? What is Shmuel speaking about when Shmuel says that even a woman that's waiting for Yibum, we are not going to write any Geddes Meret for the, the Yibum. It's because she's the one that's demanding to get married. So in the actual words of Shmuel, it doesn't fit because Hai Meret Al Arusa. Why does Shmuel say that we write this star that uh, there's a rebellion uh, on this Arusa? It's for the Arusa. It's for her sake. She's the one that's commanding or demanding to get married. He's the one that's rebelling against her. So I should have said Le Arusa, not Al Arusa. Al Arusa is mashma that she's the one that is rebelling and writing it for the husband. So that the Gemara says, Hale Kashia. Gemara doesn't consider this to be a strong question because Tni La Arusa. We're going to have to learn that what Shmuel said is, Le'arusa, we're writing it for her sake, because the husband is the one that's rebelling against her, like the answer the Gemara said. But now the Gemara asks, the question is, Why by a Shemeres Yavam, if she's demanding to get married, and the husband rebels against her? So the reason why we don't write this star that he's rebelling, because we, we say, we, that is, we, we say to the wife, Zil, you can go, we're not going to attend to this, because you don't have a mitzvah, if so, if that's what Shmuel is speaking about, and Arusa as well, that's waiting to get married, and she's demanding to get married, and the husband's rebelling against her, name Allah, we should say to her as well, Zil, go, you're not, uh, you're not, demand, you're not commanded on Piraviribia, so therefore, we're not going to write you this Yigeris Meret. So why, one second, we'll get to Chalitza in a minute. So the question is, why does Shmuel say, regarding an Arusa, if it's she that's demanding to get married, that we're going to write her an Yigeris Meret? She's not commanded. Elos, so the Gemara says, we're going to have to say, by an Arusa, the reason why she has the right to demand that she wants to get married, even though she doesn't have a mitzvah, but it's a big benefit for her to get married. <laughs> she has the following argument. The Amra, she says, I want to have children, not because of a mitzvah, but because my children will help me, will support me. I'll have children in my old age to be like a, an assistance for me, like a cane that you hold in your hands, and model a and someone in the, that'll, that'll, that'll care for me, take care of me when I have to get buried. So she also wants children. So if the husband's rebelling against her, it's something that she has an argument, that she could demand, demand this. If so, if that's true by an Arusa, hachanami shemeres yavam, by a shemeres yavam as well, she can say the same thing. She can argue and say that she wants to get married, and why, why is the husband stopping me? She wants to have children for this purpose. So therefore this, the Gemara does not accept this answer. To say that Shmuel is speaking about that she's the one demanding and the husband's rebelling against her, that wouldn't explain the difference between an Arusa and a shemeres yavam. In both cases, she has the right to demand that she wants children. Allah says the Gemara, both Shmuel and the Braise is talking about that the husband is the one that's demanding to get married. And there's no contradiction here. The one case is talking about when she wants Chalitza. One of us will spell out what, what is what. Let's see. If, she's, if, if he that is, he's demanding, let's do Chalitza. And another case is talking about that he's demanding Yibum. And so there's a big difference if she's refusing chalitza or she's refusing yibum. 
If what he's demanding is that he wants to do chalitza and she refuses, so then this is a rebellion. We'll write this, he gets married. But if he's demanding that he wants to do yibum, so then we don't, we will, will not, we're not going to get involved in this. So the Gemara now explains what's what's taka the chilek. Why should there be a, re, a difference between the husband demanding? Well, it's not a husband yet, or this yavam demanding that he should do chalitza with her, or demanding yibum. So now, what's the difference regarding yibum? What are you going to tell me? What's the reason why we we do not attend to this? The fact that she's rebelling against him, because we say to the husband, Zil get married to another wife. She doesn't want to get married to you. Go get married to another wife. So lachleitz nami. If she if if he's demanding her for chalitza and she's refusing, nemelo we can say the same thing to him. Zilvanasevitzachrite. Go get married to another wife. I mean, this is a, a svara we say specifically binigay to yivum. The rishayim explain when a person chooses a wife to get married to, which is the other case Shmuel was speaking about. Narusa <coughs> and she refuses to get married. You can't say to the husband, "Go get married to another wife." I mean, this is the wife he chose. This is the one he wants to get married to. But when it comes to Yibum, it's not a wife he chose. This is Menashemayim that gave him this wife. So over here we say to him, okay, so this is not the wife you chose, and she's refusing to get married to you or refusing to do Chalitza, but meanwhile you can get married to another wife that you choose. So why is this an issue that she's rebelling against you? Yeah, true. She does. But it doesn't stop him, though, of going on with life. I mean, he can, he can go ahead and get married to someone else, at, the same, at least in those times when you can marry two wives, right? Ella says the Gemara, the reason why the husband will say, it's not so easy for me to go get married to a second wife. Oma is going to say, because she's connected to me, and people are not going to be ready to give me another wife to get married to me. It's not so easy to marry another wife if I'm connected to this woman. So there's no difference whether he wants to do chalitza with her or he wants to do yivim with her. As long as he's connected to her, it makes it hard for him to get married to someone else. So this rebellion definitely should matter either way. And the question still remains, what's the difference between Shmuel, the Braisa? We want to make a difference whether he's demanding of her to do chalitza or yivim. should make no difference. <coughs> the fact that she's refusing either of them stops him from getting married to anyone else as well. Both Shmuel and the Braise, the husband, is demanding of her, let's do the mitzvah of Yibum. And she's refusing. But like Kashia, and there's no question here. The difference between Shmuel and the Braise is if we follow Mishnah Rishayna or Mishnah Achreina, as the Gemara here brings from the Mishnah. This is the Mishnah that says in Yevomis, we learned this, Mitzvah Yibum, Kedemes, La Mitzvah Chalitza. The, the, the Mishnah says, the way it was in the beginning, the mitzvah of Yibam, that's the main mitzvah. Right? To have a child. So that, that, that mitzvah comes before Chalitza. So Barishayna, then the Mishnah explains, in the beginning, when they did the mitzvah of Yibam, and they actually had the kavanah, that I'm only marrying this, this woman. mitzvah To fulfill the mitzvah of Yibam, not with any other ulterior motive. So then I say that Yibam comes before Chalitza. So that's what we're talking about over here as well, that the husband is demanding Yibum, so the Braise, the Braise was talking about Mishnah Rishayna, that the husband is demanding Yibum, and that's Taka the main Mitzvah. And if she's refusing this, she's refusing the main Mitzvah, and therefore she's, she, it's a rebellion that we write the Shtar against her. 
But Achshav then, Nishna says there today, She'eim is Kaltan Lashu Mitzvah. When a person marries his Yivama, he's not doing it only for the sake of the Mitzvah alone. So Na'amru, they said, Mitzvah's Chalitza Kedemis Lamitzvah's Yivam. We'd rather do the Mitzvah of Chalitza and not the Mitzvah of Yibum. So when the husband demands Yibum and she refuses the Yibum, that's not even the main Mitzvah. So the fact that she's refusing Yibum, we don't write anything, there's not, it's not considered to be a rebellion. The main, the main thing that we do today is, is uh, Chalitza, not Yibum. Okay, going back to what it said in the Mishnah. So you would, you would deduct from her ksuba every week that she would rebel against the husband. So it said in the Mishnah that we, we deduct from her ksuba, a, um, and the Tanakhama said we deduct from the ksuba seven dinrim, and Abiyudu said seven tarpeikim. Okay, and then, uh, yeah, when it comes to the husband, it's different. The Gemara is going to discuss also the difference between the husband and wife. If the husband's rebelling against his wife, so then he has to add to the payment of the ksuba three dinrim, or for a week, or three tarpeikim. So first the Gemara will explain, what is this tarpeikim? My tarpeikim. What is this coin tarpeikim? Omer Rav Sheishes. So Rav Sheishes says, astira. Tarpeikim is an astira, which Rashi says is a sela medina. A sela medina, so yeah, that's the, the tarpeikim. The kama astira, the Gemara itself says, what is the uh, amount, how much is an astira in a, in a sela medina? Palga de zuza, it's a half a zuz. Half a dinar. Yeah, okay, I have for dinner. We learned this in the as well. Rabbi Yudu says that you have to add to the ksub. If the husband rebels against his wife, three tarpikin. It comes out to be nine ma. So Rashi here says that uh, there's uh, three, three ma for every tarpik. So therefore, three, uh, three tarpikin is nine, it's going to be nine ma. So that if you're going to count the six days of the week, that is a ma and a half for every day of the six days of the week that the husband has to add. Okay, so it comes out over here that the husband has to add to the ksuba for the six days of the week. But we don't count Shabbos. For Shabbos, he doesn't have to add anything. Yeah. However, when it comes to the wife that's rebelling against the husband, then we deduct from Riksuba, we deduct from Riksuba seven tarpikin or seven dinner. Which is including for Shabbos as well. We deduct for her from that for that for Shabbos as well. So that's the first thing the Gemara addresses here. So Maishna, what's the difference? Iu, when it comes to the husband, that the wife is rebelling against him. The the Shabbos. We also deduct for the fact that she rebelled on the day of Shabbos. So Maishna, ihi the the Shabbos. And why for her? If he's rebelling against her, so the husband doesn't have to add to the payment of the ksuba for Shabbos, only for the six days of the week, a month and a half every day. One answer is, when it comes to her, if she rebels against him, we're deducting from the ksuba. So, if we deduct also for Shabbos, so it doesn't look like that, he, that there's any payment over here for the day of Shabbos. On Shabbos, there's an issue to pay a worker or bachlal, any kind of payment for Shabbos. But over here, it's not a, it's not a payment. It's deducting from the Ksobe. So you can deduct from Shabbos for Shabbos as well. But when it comes to the husband, so he has to add to the payment of the Ksobe. So therefore, Shabbos. So to add to the payment of the Ksobe, so if you would add also for the seventh day of Shabbos, so then you're adding a payment for Shabbos, so that you can't do, Schar Shabbos. Taisus here adds to this, even though usually there's a halacha called Havla, 
that if you're paying someone, or you're paying a worker, you're not just paying him for the work he does on Shabbos itself, but you're paying him together the whole week, <laughs> Shabbos included. So you're not paying him specifically for Shabbos, you're allowed to add. So why over here can't you add to the Ksuba, including Shabbos, if it's together with the whole week? Huh? Oh, so Taisa says over here, it's really per day. Why? Because every single day that we add more money to the Ksuba, we, we try to convince him one day at a time. And we hope mm. that, that the next day, He's gonna, he's gonna go back. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna do what he has to his obligation. So therefore, it's really every day separately. So therefore, this is considered to be schar Shabbos. Yosef says to Shmuel. Now here is another question: the amount that we deduct of the ksobe is more than the amount that we that we add to the ksobe. We deduct seven and we add to the ksobe only three. So what's the difference? What's the difference between the man that's rebelling against his wife and the meiredes when she's rebelling against him? And the Gemara here is going to go according to the pshat that we said before, that the meridah that we're discussing over here is tashma shamita, the marital relation. So what's the difference if he or she is rebelling? So the Gemara answers, You can go and understand this from the way it is in the marketplace of Zainus. Me, Seicheres me. Who is hiring who for Znus? It's the man that hires the woman. So therefore what that shows is that if she's holding back from him, it's more difficult for the man than it is for the woman. So therefore we deduct from the Ksube more from her than if she's holding back from him. We don't add as much. By the man, the fact that he's losing over here, that it's, it's hard for him. This is something that's external, that's noticeable outside. And and for the wife, it's only inside, but it's not all noticeable outside. As Rashi here says, the kishri of the Ever, this is something that you can see outside, so it's more embarrassing for the man. So here, we're going back again to the halachis of the obligations that a husband has to give his wife. So here it's talking about Hamashra means that he sort of hires someone. He has somebody else, a third person that's taking care of his wife. He's not uh, giving himself there everything for his wife. So Hamashra is Ishtayali Deshlish. There's not a third person that's providing what, it, what his wife needs, the Mizainis and different things. And the Mishnah is going to go through over here the Shiyurim, the amounts that he has to give his wife. So the amount of food that he gives her for the meals of the week, he, sh- he shouldn't give her less. Then two kav of chita of wheat for the for the for one week. Or four kav of barley. Rabbi The only one that used to give barley for the wife was Rabbi Shmal because he was near Edom. We'll see in the Gemara. The Gemara will explain this. And also the He gives her a half a kav of barley. And a half a lug of oil, the kav gregris, and a kav of uh, dried figs, or one mana of pressed figs. If he doesn't have pressed figs or this, these kinds of fruits this, uh, that it mentions here, so instead he gives her other types of fruits from other places. The Rishayim point out that the Mishnah here is only talking about the things that he gives his wife as far as food is concerned. But there's also other obvious things that he has to give her to be able to live, to have a candle, to have a table, to have so there are different things that he has to give her to be able to live. But the Mishnah doesn't specify it. It says it in a Brais and a Tisefta. 
The Mita, he has to give her a bed, a map, it's a mat, which is a softer mat, machzeles, a mat that's made from straw. The Nisala, he gives her a covering to cover her head, a belt to be able to, 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 to hold up her clothing when she works, she has to have a belt. shoes, from one yantif to another, he has to give her new shoes for each one of the Shleisha Regalim, the new Yamatayim. And the Kalem, Shochamishim Zuz, and the clothing, that the value of 50 Zuz, Mishana, Lishana, from year to year. Now the Mishnah clarifies exactly the clothing that he gives her. The he doesn't give her the new clothing, new heavy clothing that are brand new and are heavier to wear in the summer when she needs lighter clothing, or worn out clothing, in the winter when she needs heavier clothing, what he does is, he gives her the new clothing that are the value of 50 zoos ahead, so it's heavier and it's warmer for the winter, and then those same clothing, it gets more worn out and she can wear it in the summer. These clothing that he gives her, whatever leftovers of it, the worn out clothing, that's hers to keep. Besides this, he also has to give her a ma of money for her spending uh, needs, spending money. His wife eats with him. What it's going to discuss, what a means, either literally eating with him or means the mitzvah of Aina. From Friday night to Friday night. So even if the husband is not living with her all week, but from Friday night to Friday night, he eats with her. If he doesn't give her this ma kesef for what she needs, so then, her work that she does and her income so that she can keep as well. We had a discussion about this earlier in the Gemara, and there the Gemara said, I believe it was according to Shmuel, that when it says there in the Mishnah, it doesn't mean but it means the the surplus over that goes to the husband instead of the spending money that he gives her. So if he doesn't give her spending money, she can keep the surplus of her of her work. Now, the work that she does for him, what's the amount that she has to do? So here it's talking about the thread that she makes for him, that she, she sews clothing for him. So the thread that she makes from, uh, from the wool, so it has to be an amount of wool that it's the weight of five coins of five slime in Yehuda. And we're talking here about shesi. Shesi is the warp thread. Shehain as a slime begalo, which is the weight of ten slime in galo. In galo, that had smaller coins, so it's double the amount of the coins. Ten slime. Oi or mishkal as a slime erev. Regarding the erev, so over here it has to be double the amount. It's it's, it's this is something which is easier to make, I believe it is. So therefore, it's double the amount. So therefore, it has to be the weight of ten slime of erev of the, the 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 what's it called? The warp thread and the, the weft thread. Very good. Shkayach. The weft thread, so, so that's the weight of 10 slime of Yehuda, Shein Esrim slime begalo. In Galo, where it's smaller coins, it's double the amount of the weight of the coins, 20 slime. If a person's wife is nursing, we minimize from her obligations of her work. And you have to add to the food that you feed her, she should have enough food to be able to nurse a baby. All of these shiurim that the Mishnah here says, when does this all apply? When a person is poor. A person that's, uh, that's honorable, a person that's rich. So then he has to give according to his standards, according to his level, he has to give his wife more than the minimum that it mentions here in the Mishnah. Okay. So the Gemara is going to focus on beginning of the Mishnah when it spoke about the number of meals that you have to give for your wife. So you have, how many meals does a woman have to eat during the week? 14 meals for every day of the week. 
the Pashtas, we'll get, we'll get the Gemara, we'll soon get the Shabbos, and Shabbos you have to eat Shalish to this, but the Pashtas, seven days a week, two meals a day, you need 14 meals. What did the Mishnah say? What do you give for 14 meals? Two kav of wheat. Says the Gemara, Mani Masnison. Who is this measurement going according to? It doesn't follow the opinion of Yechen Membreke, and it does not follow the opinion of Rab Shimon either. Um, because there's a Mishnah, and this is a Mishnah in Edevin that discusses the amount of food that you need for Edev Tchumen. Right? Edev Tchumen, of course, is when a person wants to go out of the Tchum Shabbos. So what do you do? You place food at a certain place outside the city. And then you can go walk, so by putting food there, that becomes the place where you're living, because the person lives where his food is, and therefore you can walk from there another 2,000 amas. How much food do you, you have to put there to be able to walk from there? Two sudas. The amount of food for two sudas. So now, in this Mishnah, it says various different shiurim of how much food you have to put there. The kama shiurai. What is the amount of food that you have to put there? The amount of food, two sudas, for every person that wants to walk. Now, but you have to measure according to the amount of food that a person eats during the week and not the amount of food that a person eats on Shabbos. This is Rab Meir's opinion. So Rashi explains that Rab Meir is trying to say, he's being makel here, he's being lenient. He says a person eats more bread, more challah on Shabbos. He eats less during the week. So he's saying the meal size of two, two meals has to be like what you eat during the week, which is less. Rabbi Yudah says, You have to put there two sudas, the amount they eat in Shabbos, not during the week. So Rashi says, this is also lenient, that he ate actually less challah on Shabbos, less bread on Shabbos, because he had more other foods. There was other delicacies. There's more challah, there's more kogel, there's other foods. So therefore he eats less bread on Shabbos. So he's also being lenient and says, you go according to the amount of food, bread that is eaten on Shabbos, not in the week. And the commissioner says, Both of them are being lenient when they use the shear of the meal during the week or during Shabbos. Okay, but now, both Rav Meir and Rav Yehuda do not specify the exact amount. What, what is the amount of two meals? But then, the other opinions in the Mishnah there give specific amounts. Rav Yechen says, Kika, you have a loaf of bread. One loaf of bread is two meals, but what what kind of what size is a loaf of bread? Halakuach bepundian, a loaf of bread that you can buy for a pundian. Me'arba son and that is when the price of of a of a bread is four saw. When they're not not sorry, not a price of a loaf of bread. When the price of the uh, of the chitin of the wheat is four saw, you can get four saw of chitin for one sela. So then, the price of the loaf, of, uh, loaf which is one pudyon, that's two meals. Now, how much is a pudyon? How, how are you going to understand what we're talking about over here? So a pudyon is, it is 48 pudyonin in a cellar. Right? So if you, if you have a, a loaf of bread that's a pudyon, so that means it's a 48th of the amount that you could buy with one cellar. So how many kav is that? So there are six kav in every single saw, which means that for four saw, there's, there's 24 kav, or there's 48 half kavs. So if you're buying with the amount of a pundyan, and a pundyan is a, is a 48th of a sela, you're getting a half a kav. Because in every saw, there's again, every saw there's six kav, and for four, for four again, for every sela that is, there's six kav, it means that for four sela, there's 24 kav, or 48 half a kav. So for, again, for a punyin, you get a half a kav. That's the measurement you're going to have to remember for the continuation of the Gemara. And that's two meals. Two meals is a half a kav. Rabshimin Shimon says, 
that two-thirds of a loaf of bread, and what we're talking about over here is that three loaves is a kav. Okay, so what does that mean? So if you have three loaves, which is a kav, so every loaf is a, is a third of a kav. Right? And then from every loaf of bread, two-thirds of that loaf of bread is going to be two sudas. Okay, so this is a much smaller amount. This is a much smaller amount of a loaf of bread for the two sudas than according to Rabbi Yechenim and Breiket. Now, the Mishnah continues. This is not really relevant for our sugya, but the Mishnah continues there regarding this the shear of the loaf of bread. Chetzia, a half of this loaf of bread. So again, a full loaf of bread is two sudas. But now a half of this loaf of bread, lebay samanuga. This is the shear of a person that enters into a home which has a nega on it. And the Allah is, if you enter into a home and you stay there long enough that it takes to eat a meal, so not only you become tame, your clothing become tame. Rashi brings the Pasuk, It doesn't mean that you're literally eating there, but it means if you stay there long enough that you're eating one meal, so then your, your garments become uh, tame. How long is it that you have to stay there to eat? Uh, a, a one suda, which is a half a loaf of bread. The chetzi chetzia, half of a, of a uh, half a loaf of bread, in other words, a quarter of a loaf of bread, lifts a lesagvia. Here there's a takanas chachomim. If you eat food which is tame, you become tame. Even though menat food that's tame does not make a person tame. But mendrabanan, if you eat food which is tame, it makes you tame. What's the amount of that food that will make you tame? A quarter of this loaf of bread, and Rashi makes the cheshbin that that comes out to be the size of two eggs. Every kav is 24 baits. You can look into Rashi. Rashi makes the cheshbin, comes out to be a, a, a size of bread that's the size of two eggs. Now, v'chatsi chatsi chetzia, which in English is an eighth, half of a half of a half, which is an eighth, that's really the size of one egg. This is the kabel tumas That's the amount of uh, uh, food in order for it to become tummy, to be susceptible to tummy. The minimum size of food to become tummy is the size of one egg. Okay, this is all the shirim that I just said here is according to Rab Shimon. That's uh, the, the last part of the Mishnah. Okay, it's not really something to get to our sugi, but let's focus on the. Huh? Because that's the, when, it, when it becomes tummy, it's susceptible to tummy, it's one beitzer. Yeah. Now the question is, who is our Mishnah? So over here in this Mishnah, in Erevin, we were talking about the size of two, two meals. And what was the Machlekes here? Whether it's a half a kav. If a half a kav is uh, going to be two sudas, or according to Rab Shimon, it comes out that okay. Let's let's see the continuation of the Gemara inside. So the Gemara says, "Mani, who are we talking about over here?" If our Mishnah, we we need fourteen sudas for the week. So if we're going according to Rab Yechonim and Breike, Tmani Avian. Our Mishnah said you just have to give your wife two kav. So if a half a kav is two sudas, so then two kav is going to be eight sudas. That's a simple cheshbon. And if we're following Rab Shimon's opinion, so then Tmani Sari Havin. So then it's going to come out to be 18 Sudas. According to Rab Shimon, you have 9 Sudas for every 1 Kav. So if so, for 2 Kav, you can have 18. You can have 18 Sudas. So the question is, why does our Mishnah come up with the number 14 Kav? Why 14? Four, it, it's not 8. It, it's, it's either too much or too little. And says the Gemara, I can tell you that our Mishnah really follows opinion of that so according to Rabbi Yechon it should come out that you only have over here eight meals. So how do you get to 14 meals? 
So says the Gemara, Rav Chiste said, Seiman Shlish Lachanvini. This whole Cheshmer that it said in the Brais over here is, it's before the deducting the amount that the, that the baker takes for himself. There is the person that's providing the amount of wheat, the sa'a of wheat, or the four sa'an of wheat, whatever amount of wheat it is, or in our mission we're talking about the two kaven of wheat, but then there's the baker. The baker takes a certain margin for himself. He doesn't, it, in the, in the, what the baker is selling doesn't go everything to the person that's buying from the baker, so there's a shlish that you have to deduct from the baker. So therefore, our Mishnah is talking over here the amount that you get besides the, when, you, when you don't have this deduction of this third that the baker takes for himself. So therefore, when, just like uh, Rav Chista said this regarding the different halacha, so hachanami over here, what our Mishnah is speaking about is, I see tlosa shodi alayu. Add another third to this. So even though, according to the cheshben of Rav Yechanan, so for two kaven you should only have eight meals, not twelve meals, but nevertheless, if you're going to add a third, it's going to be 12 meals. And this is what's called a shlish malabar, meaning when you add and you look at the total sum, the total sum is 12, what's a third of the total sum? Four. So you're adding another four, another four kav, and that, uh, that, that will give you the, uh, four, the full amount that you need for the 12 sudas. Okay, so that's according to who? According to Rabbi Yechelim and Breike. But the question still is, it gets us to 12 meals. If you're adding this other third, it still doesn't get, get you to the full amount that we need, which is 14 meals. By adding another third, because we don't deduct the amount that the chenvin, that the baker takes off for himself, it's still go, only going to be 12 meals. Answers the Gemara, but the reason is because we're not including the night of Shabbos because then she eats with her husband. The Mishnah was saying if there's a third provider that the husband hired, so to speak, to, to, to provide for his wife, so only for the meals for the weekday, but not for Friday night. So the Gemara asks him this, This is understood according to the opinion that says that when our Mishnah says that the wife eats with the husband, it meant literally that she eats the meal with him. But according to the other opinion, when the Mishnah said Achila, it doesn't mean eating, it's just a euphemism. It refers to the marital relations. So then So then the meal of Shabbos, she also needs to get provided from this person because the husband is not eating with her. Mm-hmm. And, the, and then there's another question here. But it should still, you should still have to provide for her 30 meals because it only says that the husband eats with her Friday night, but not Shabbos day. So for the day meal, she still needs to be provided another meal. Mm-hmm. Ella says the Gemara, there's another place that Rav Chista said differently. The margin of profit for the Chanveni is he takes half of the profit for himself. So if we said that the meals that you get out of the amount of uh, two kaven, you can get eight sudas, we said before, so really you have to double that. For two kaven, you can get 16 sudas, because the baker takes the margin of profit for himself. But when a husband is providing for the wife, so there's no, no margin that you have to take off, so you really could double that. So really the 16 sudas over here. So hachanami over here as well, you could double it, and therefore it's not eight, but it's 16 meals. Now, we're not done with this because if so, it comes out that she has two extra meals. She only needs 14 meals. Why is she getting two extra meals? But before the Gemara explains that, the Gemara says it seems to be a contradiction here. We have a contradiction in Rav Chista's opinion regarding the profit of the Chemveni, the baker. One place Rav Chista says his profit is a third. Another place he says his profit is that he takes half for himself. How much does he take for himself? 
And says the Gemara, like Kashi, that's not a contradiction. In a case where the person that's providing the wheat for the baker provides along with the wheat also wood, so therefore he doesn't have that, he doesn't have to spend money on, on, on buying wood, so he only takes a third of the, of the wheat for himself. So his, mar- his margin of profit from the wheat is less. But if it's a place that he's not getting from the person that's giving the wheat, he's not getting wood as well, so therefore he takes more profit, he takes half for himself. But now the Gemara comes back to ask the question, but if we say that the amount of meals you get over here is double, then Rabbi Yechon ben said, it's not eight, but it's, it's double, it's 16, not 14. So why is she getting extra meals? Answers the Gemara, Keman, who's our Mishnah going according to? So here the Gemara will account for the Shabbos Sudas. So Shabbos Sudas is, so there's at least a, an extra Sudas Shabbos day. So it should be 15 Sudas, but it actually is another extra Sudas because Keman, who's our Gemara going according to? Kerabchitke. The Amma, he says, Arba Sudas Shabbos. A person is supposed to eat four Sudas on Shabbos, meaning the Sudas Friday night and then three Sudas Shabbos day. <clears throat> This is the Gemara and Shabbos. We learned that the Gemara day and Shabbos brings the Pasuk where it says three times Hayyim. And you learn out that you have to have three meals on Shabbos. According to Rav Chibke, the three Hayyims is going on Shabbos day, not on Friday night. Because from Friday night, they still ate from the Mon from Erev Shabbos. So the three times Hayyim is referring all to Shabbos day. So for Shabbos day itself, you need three meals. So it's another two extra meals for Shabbos day besides the 14 meals of the week. So that's, that's 16 meals. <laughs> Says the Gemara... I can tell you that the, the mission over here goes even according to the Rabbanon. We don't have to say according to Rav Chitke, that there's 16 meals because there's two extra meals that you eat Shabbos day. And Rabbanon is the opinion that we go according to, which is the three Shabbos of this, one at night and only two by day. Take off, in other words, you have to add another meal for guests. <coughs> the wife has to have some extra food, a little bit extra food for some guests that she wants to invite for Shabbos. Says the Gemara, oh, now that you're including meals that we give for the wife for guests, if you're including this as well, we can go back and say that the amount of meals that it says in our Mishnah, that, the, that you give her two kav, which will be for 14 meals, so you can say that it goes even according to Rav Shimon. The Cheshman we had before in the Gemara is that according to Rav Shimon, it would come out that two kav will provide her with 18 meals. So why did she get 18 meals? So we can say as follows, according to the Rabbanon, that you have one extra suda on Shabbos, so that should really only be 15 sudas, but we give you three extra meals for guests. And according to the Rav that says that on Shabbos you need two extra meals, so really she should only need 16 meals, so then it comes out that we're giving you two extra meals for the guests. So our Mishnah can go even according to Rav Shimon's opinion. Okay, that's uh, the conclusion of the Gemara for today. Guests, guests.